so this is the podcast yeah <laughs> no but really guys this is the podcast this is two chickpeas in a podcast When I actually got a bit emotional listening to like Adnan and everyone speak because I was like, wow, like you guys have created something massive here and it's just the start and you have no idea like how great this is going to be and just all the love and the energy in the room already. It's fantastic. So thank you. Thank you for giving that. And I hope you can sit with us for the next 45 minutes. Uh, it's going to be good. I promise. Uh, so yeah, this is this is the second segment of the evening. This is the live podcast. You're live. I'm going to try not swear, but I do, so I hope you guys don't mind. Um, <laughs> I'm Nikita. I'm one of two chickpeas in a podcast. Uh, yeah, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, all that jazz, and YouTube. Subscribe, like, comment, all of that, guys. Um, yeah, so I am one of two uh, chickpeas. I, d- I have the podcast with my sister, Natasha, who sadly couldn't be here today, but I'm repping until she can be here next time. And... Um, Two Chickpeas in a podcast is mine and my sister's experience of being British Asian and all the trials and tribulations that come along with that. I don't know if if some people here are 25 yet or not, but I had like a mid-midlife crisis when I was 25 and I was like, what is my life? I've been rejecting my culture my whole life. I've only just realized now I don't know anything really like I just felt like a bit of a coconut and I was like, I I just don't know anything about myself. So the podcast is our experience of being British Asian, um, like taboos in the culture, things that we don't like in the culture, maybe how we want to change that, things like auntie culture. We have an episode called Aunties of the Future, talking about the kind of aunties we want to be, you know. (laughs) So that that is a bit of a taste of the podcast and we're going to bring it to you here live, baby, live. Uh, so yeah, if you're ready, I'm going to introduce our amazing panel, and you kind of had an introduction to them briefly. Well, I'm going to give you a brief introduction, but they're amazing people, and be sure to uh, get all their Instagram, social media handles afterwards. But first, on our panel, to my left in the gorgeous green, is uh, Mahek, who's a content creator and cultural commenter. Uh, those are just two of the amazing things she does, but yeah, she's an all-round amazing person. She's on our panel. Uh, To my left, I have Amna, who is Pakistani-born singer and all-round South Asian creative and just beautiful soul, really. So, yeah, she's on our (laughs) panel. And to my right is the walking, talking social network himself, (laughs) Adnan. Um, He, yeah, I've had the privilege of knowing him for a few years now and... Yeah, he's a fa- fascinating, amazing human being. So yeah, the conversation is going to be great. Um, so yeah, this is the s- yeah the podcast. People, welcome. Um, we wanted to sort of have a chat around the theme of of tonight, which you guys have all heard about. And I just wanted to start off with a safe space for all of us to be able to vent about things that we find difficult or challenging. Or unjust in being South Asian and this dysphoria, and you guys are welcome to join in. But I just wanted to to have a chat about that because it's not easy. I don't know how about you guys. Uh, I'm guessing a lot of people here have been born and raised in the country. Not everyone. I'm not trying to you know group everyone together. But uh, for me personally, I've always found it hard in terms of I'm not Indian enough for my family, and they let me know that. And I'm not British enough for my friends. And I'm like, where do I fit? <laughs> where do I sit? I don't know. Um, and I've, I've struggled with that my whole life. And even in terms of being an Indian person, uh, even just the way like at school, like it was so easy for everyone to mock our culture, our accent, our food. And it's given me a warped identity of my, my heritage really. And it's taken me a long time to sort of figure out, like, actually, there's so many cool things about being Indian. And why have I been so ashamed my whole life? That's just one thing I've got to vent about. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to get on to Preeti Patel and Rishi Sinak in a bit. Uh, <laughs> don't get me started. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to, to open that up. That's just one thing that really frustrates me. And I just think 
I just wanted this to be a safe space for everyone to be like, you know what? I don't feel right about this. So Adnan, do you do you have any frustrations or something you want to vent about, baby? <laughs> I feel like Nikita covered it quite well, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't say frustrations. I think I think just a little bit of intro to I guess um, our experience growing up. Um, I suppose we, we grew up in Reading, um, but I think at the age of four, we moved up to Pakistan. So we spent four years in Pakistan. And when we came back, I mean, most of my memories um, from my childhood, I don't know if Sophia also remembers it as well. You're too young, maybe. You're a baby. Um, it was it was pretty much, you know, like um, spending time with your family. The family is such a big thing for, for the South Asians, um, not only just South, South Asians, but I think for us uh, in living in Pakistan, it was very much um, defining moments and how we spend our time, who we spend it with. Um, and then coming to the UK at the age of eight, you know, having to integrate within the English society and having to do things differently, not having that sense of community, I suppose, or even understanding of what it feels to feel that warmth of being connected to one another. Um, you know, I don't know how many people are used to this, but in Pakistan, like there are, there's no sense of security of, of a door or anything. You just walk into your neighbor's house whenever you want, right? Like it's never, it's never a thing. So I think growing up and understanding like, as you said, you know, you're too brown to be white, but you're too white to be brown. Like, where does that all sit? What does that mean? Um, how do you integrate into society? And then you've got your culture on top, but then you've got your religion on top. How do you differentiate between the two? Um, it was a lot. It was, I think it was, it was interesting to grow up with that. Um, but I think I was fortunate enough to be in, in, in healthy, safe spaces and to be able to think about myself um, and meet some ex exceptionally great people as well. And I think that was one of the big reasons why we wanted to start this also. I want to meet more interesting people and more stories, um, not just in South Asian diaspora, but I think most other people who have come from different difficult backgrounds as well. So I wouldn't say frustration. I think it's all been a learning journey. It, it still is. It still will be as well. Um, I look around and I see so many familiar faces in the last six months that I've met and some really exceptionally, truly, truly exceptional people in this room right here, right now. Um, I really encourage everyone to, you know, make effort to just say hi to the next person next to you because you don't know who they are. Um, and one point I want to say on that is um, Sanya Huck, she couldn't make it tonight. She she does the, um, the Bollywood code, but she also does a lot of research into the South Asian diaspora. Um, and really interestingly, she saw... Um, the fastest growing music diaspora is South Asians, I think 8.5% or something. Um, and the reason why that's so interesting is that most of us right now are growing in that space, in the South Asian, uh, South Asian space, right? Where could that be in the next three to five years? And the connections you make right now, they could be something in the next three to five years, maybe even sooner than that as well. So take the opportunity, you know, you, you never know what's going to come out of it. Um, and that's the way I see of it. I, I, instead of seeing it as a struggle, it's 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 cool it's interesting what could happen um, yeah let's see <laughs> let's see and i and just to add to adnan's point as well and you know like when he was talking about music and it's you know the fastest growing you know genre at the moment i i think that's a lot down to us like i i don't know about you but like i feel like we're finally at an age where like we're making things happen like we're doing it for ourselves and like we're coming kind of coming away from you know you know if you're south asian you've been really conditioned by your parents your family do you know what i mean very much like do as i say listen don't talk back all of this and we're finally starting to talk back we're finally like at an age and a stage in our life where we're like you know what? i don't agree with this and i don't want to do this anymore and because of that like all these waves that are happening is honestly because of all of us like everyone's sitting in this room whether you listen to someone's like new music you've spoken to someone else you've you've messaged someone at two three in the morning like hey let's make a <laughs> let's have an event <laughs> do you know what i mean you guys are all doing this and i think that's in incredible and that's why it's so important to have these kind of conversations but uh, yeah adnan doesn't feel the frustration i do um i'll, I'll pass over to amna because you're you're pakistani born so i think that's so interesting in terms of you know i feel like i've got a struggle with my British and Indianness with each other. I wonder what that's like for you being born and raised in Pakistan and then coming here and having to immerse yourself into a different culture completely. Um, Hi everyone. Um, yeah, I think there's so many different like angles to this. I think my I was born with a British passport because my family, like my parents, like as soon as they got married, they had an arranged marriage. My dad was here. My mom just literally like got up and left and then came here. And then all my brothers were born here. So I'm the youngest. I have three older brothers. So they were all born here. And I was born like 10 years after my youngest brother, basically. So 
yeah, it was like an interesting, I mean, classic overprotective childhood and stuff. But because we always had like British influence because they would spend a lot of time here. Have you ever heard of the term burger? Yeah. <laughs> so back in, back in, I grew up in Karachi, right? Like up until 18 and I came back here when I was uh, for uni. Um, but basically there's like a lot of like, I wouldn't say like racism, but like if you, like, you know, based on how good your Urdu is and how good your English is, you're going to sound a little bit different, right? You have like a, like a semi-accent almost. And uh, I went to a British school and everybody that went to my school, like, you, you would call them burgers basically. And like the rest, I have nine, uh, my, my dad has nine siblings, I have 33 first cousins. Uh, and just like a lot of my cousins that grew up, they're just from my dad's side, by the way. Uh, which is, yeah, it's a lot of birthdays, and it's a lot of grandkids. Anyway, we'll get into that later, maybe. Uh, but basically, like, some of my, one of my, some of my closest cousins, because I didn't have people my age growing up, it was like my siblings were a lot older, so like my cousins were like my siblings. And they went to a very different school, and their Urdu was a load better than mine. Uh, and they would just call me burger all the time. So I, 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 even growing up there, I felt a bit like, like, I felt like I didn't fit in. And then when I came here for uni, and uh, I was like, oh, cool, like, I'm a burger, like, my English is great, like, Eng my English is amazing, whatever. And then all my friends, like, made f fun of my accent, basically, coming here. So then I was like, where do I actually belong? So I guess even though I grew up there, it was, like, similar, kind of not finding that belonging, but in a very different way. Uh, and I actually let people make fun of my accent growing up. Uh, not growing up, but like at uni, uh, and I remember like when I first came to uni, like some guy was like, "Oh, where are you from?" And it was similar. Um, it was, uh, I was like, "Pakistan." It's like, "Oh, so you're a terrorist?" And I was like, uh, "Ha ha ha!" And like you know, like it's almost as if like I wanted to fit in, so I kind of like laughed it off. But like, yeah, so I I totally resonate. But I guess it's like a different um, angle. Yeah. Do you feel like any of that's improved though? Like in terms of when you meet people and you say you're Pakistani, is there a bit more of an informed response, do you feel, or do you feel like we've still got a long way to go, in your experience? I think times have changed in the last, like, 10 years. I mean, I went to uni 10 years ago, right? So I think that, like, generally, there's so much more sensitivity about, like, who you are, where you're from, like, all of these things. So it's definitely, like, less. But I also think that I'm, like, much you know how you were saying like you, like you had like a midlife crisis like like I've I've had many of those, <laughs> um, but I feel like I'm a lot prouder when I say it now. You know I don't like shake when I said I'm like I'm from Pakistan and and it's it's it, it's interesting as well because like my mom felt I saw her go through the same thing. So when she came and like there was a lot more racism in the UK in the 80s and 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 my parents tell me stories about how they found it really difficult to integrate especially coming from Pakistan. My mom was always so ashamed to say she'd get so happy when like people be like oh you look Italian. Like she'd be like oh my god I look Italian. I'm like no you should be proud like where you're from. So I feel like I'm a lot like I've gotten over that a lot now and and I feel like it's definitely better. Yeah, well, I'm glad there's slowly but surely we're getting there. Uh, lovely Mahek. Vent it out, babe. Go <laughs> on, swear. Like, I want someone to really get deep, so man. Get into it. Yeah. Um, okay, I guess before I start to like vent, <laughs> you've do given it. me free do reign. It, do it, do it. Um, some kind of context on like my upbringing. Um, so I am a British box. Is that up close? All good? Yeah. 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 All right, cool. <laughs> so I'm a British Pakistani and um, I was born in Walthamstow, grew up in North London. Uh, my dad was born in Pakistan, but he came here when he was 16 and my mom was born here. So people are often really confused that my mom has a Cockney accent. Um, and they're just like, and she, it definitely comes out when she's angry at me. You'll, you'll hear yeah. it. And Imran, you know this as well. Um, so it's quite, quite interesting. But obviously, like, it's nice because she's kind of had a similar upbringing to me, albeit a little bit different. She grew up around like the 80s and the 90s where you had a lot of really hardcore racism against South Asians. Like we're talking p-word bashing um maybe things that of course some people may have experienced in today's day and age but maybe not at the same scale as they did growing up so i think one thing that was really big in my upbringing was kind of having that importance of your culture extremely like drilled into because unfortunately like growing up with my like my grandfather had to deal with a lot of racism um they had situations like it was very common for people to throw like fireworks through letterboxes that actually happened in my mother's childhood home growing up and then they had to like bar the um, the less box with like a block of wood so obviously like we've come a really long way from that point um, and obviously that's pretty frustrating knowing that like your community has had to go through that uh, which is something I talk about at length on my own platforms um, but I think like yeah growing up there was that element of appreciation and respect but naturally you fall into the whole idea of like feeling like you need to assimilate at school and feeling like oh my god like I 
the truth is I don't feel like I can really be myself here. Um, and I don't, it's interesting because I don't think like I was conscious of that at the time or like I was conscious that I was assimilating, if that makes sense. And it's something that I feel like I've had a bit more of like an epiphany of like, oh my God, I've been doing this. Like as I edged into like my later teens um, and into my twenties, um, which was which was interesting. And I, I agree the whole point that you raised about like there were elements of like feeling like, oh, am I too brown to be British? Or am I too, too British to be brown? And I think it's interesting because I feel like that's a topic and I think a predicament that a lot of us have kind of maybe thought about in our heads. And I feel like what's really nice actually, like on a positive note is that as time has gone on, everything okay up there? <laughs> um, as like time has gone on and as like I've been able to kind of see people from the community like really rep and really like appreciate things about them. And naturally like you kind of take that on board. You're like, oh my God, if you can do it, I can do it. Um, which was really, really lovely. Um, and I feel like that question for me has just become a bit more redundant. Like I'm, I'm like, it's okay. Like it's okay for me to be both. And that's absolutely fine. Like I obviously, as I said, I've grown up in London. So all I know is pretty much like growing up here, I've been to Pakistan like maybe four or five times in my life. And of course, like there is a nexus to Pakistan, like your ethnic background, your family, like my dad's life is there, uh, which is really beautiful. But there's always going to be limitations with my relationship with Pakistan. And I think it's okay to accept that. I think it's okay to be like, I am a product of this almost like new culture that is equally just really beautiful. But yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's this, uh, and I, d I don't know, again, I don't know if it's all of our ages and coming into our 20s and like, you know, really growing and maturing like that, that we're just, you know, owning ourselves. And we're just like, yeah, I'm not that Indian. I'm not that British. I'm this like I'm both and I, I'm proud to say that these days as well because I don't want to have to answer for all of that do you know what I mean like it's it's a lot but again coming back to what you were saying about some of the difficulties that you face and you know has frustrated you in terms of like the racism your family's previously faced and it's uh it's trauma let's be real and generational trauma is something that I've started to learn about in the last couple of years through the podcast. And I've been, you know, had the privilege to learn. And I, I just think we are incredible the way that we carry that on ourselves. Uh, and, and we don't even realize, do we? Uh, all the things, all the hardships, you know, the generations before us have gone through. And we, we take that on. I think, I think they look at us like, oh, you're so lucky. You don't have to deal with what we had to deal with. And that is sometimes a sentiment from a lot of older people is like, stop whining. <laughs> and it's just like, well, we've got a whole new load of crap to go through. Do you know what I mean? It's a different, it's a different, it's completely different altogether. But we bear that on our shoulders. And I think, again, you know, everyone sitting on this sofa who's helped create this event, you're doing something about that trauma and, and sort of aiding it almost. Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't know if I already feel like I'm in a healing experience just being in this room. I don't know about everyone else, <laughs> but... I definitely do. Uh, audience members, you want to vent? Yeah, yeah. come through! Yeah. yeah! Yeah, yeah, come through. Yes! My name is Masma. I'm not like a creative person. I'm just a normal person. Um, but I was, sorry, I was born and raised in Tanzania and I moved here when I was 11. Um, and I think it's a really interesting conversation and I think it's really cool that like everyone's embracing their South Asian culture nowadays and like we're having events like this and everyone's just proud of where they're from. But I think there's like a dichotomy of like when I moved here when I was 11, there was also prejudice within your own South Asian communities because I don't feel like as a fob, like a fresh off the boat with an accent that you, I was ever felt welcomed by South Asian community. Um, you always felt like lesser than your own kind of people like even when you think oh like brown people who are like me I can feel like a community but no because mm. you already feel outside of it with like the wider white population but then within your own community you already feel a little bit behind because you're like and that's not anyone else's fault because you guys were all trying to get latch onto white culture and mm. like leave you know boring traditional culture behind mm. um but that's just something I thought about because it's like now suddenly everyone's like embracing their culture and I'm like yo could have done that when I was like 11 and we would have <laughs> <laughs> we would have all been friends um I think the difference is also like I moved here with my family when I was 11 so being that age is a lot yeah, more difficult yeah. to like make friends whereas when you come for university a lot of the time like being an international student is cool yeah. and like you're from abroad and like now it's like oh Born and raised in Tanzania, you're so cool, like, tell me more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back then, it's like, oh, I wish I was just born and raised here and had the accent or yeah. whatever. 
Um, but yeah, that was just my point. I love your accent, um, by the way. It's you. awesome. And I love your it point. comes yeah. out more because yeah. I'm, yeah, so Solid definitely accent. healing, but still getting <laughs> triggered. Round of applause. Thank you so much. Oh, it's, it's, it's incredible, and I, I just love that openness. Thank you so much. Uh, so, yeah, we've had a bit of a moan, and I just, I just hope everyone feels good. And if you want to get anything off your chest later, that's the point of today. You know, talk to someone, vent it out. What do we do moving forward? I do want to move the conversation forward, though, and look at representation. Uh, hot topical conversation in, in, you know, media news outlets and things over the last couple of years, definitely since, you know, the rise of the Black Lives uh, matter movement that happened during the pandemic and it, I feel like it's opened up to lots of different cultures and diasporas and uh, you know communities and I just think it's a conversation we need to keep on having I don't know about you guys I hope you guys don't feel bored by this sentiment but yeah I, I feel representation is so important across uh, media um, TV films books everything but you know, I first want to even look at normal workplaces, even even corporate workplaces, and how much of a way we still have to go with that. Um, I I have worked in a lot of public sector jobs my whole life. I've uh, worked predominantly with children in schools, um, in the council under children's services, in various different roles, and it has been absolutely just mind-boggling to me how the teams can be really quite diverse and I think wow like so we've got like a bit of everyone from here and I was I was feeling really proud about that and then not long into into me starting there and I started to have uh, meetings with more and more managers why is everyone white <laughs> like why would why Every, everyone in the work team is so diverse but when it comes to, to when it really matters people who can really make decisions make a difference everyone's right everyone and I even saw social workers and people really feel the effects of that as well and have even left the council because they're like, I, they almost feel oppressed in their job from their managers because there is a lack of connection, understanding there. I felt it more and more frustrated actually when I worked in schools. And I, I don't know about, does everyone know where Hounslow is? Must have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Better like Beckham, Chabadi G, all of that. Uh, so yeah, I'm from there, baby. And uh, I, I w worked in the school where I went to. I, I was really mind boggled that I'd went to that school for seven years and I loved my experience of being a student there. And I, I just applied for a job when I came back from university. I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm desperate. I've moved into my own place. I need to pay for it. Uh, maybe there's an admin job going up my old school or something. I'll see. Ended up working as an SEN, special educational needs uh, teaching assistant. And my eyes just opened. I just wasn't a student anymore. I was a member of staff, which felt really weird. I couldn't tell like people off. I'm like, I'm like three, four years older than you. It's weird. Um, but what I was more, uh, you know, staggered at was staff. Uh, not only just the senior leadership team were completely white. It was disgust disgusting in the sense that you they just didn't have a connection or an understanding of the students they were teaching, and that was deeply upsetting to me. You know, I heard one of the teachers slag off Hounslow to a student and talking about it like it's this horrible place to be and you don't want to hang out here and you want to get out from here. And it's like, I grew up with that. We all grew up making fun of, of Hounslow, where we're from. And then it wasn't until I got a bit older and started working with young people. I was just like, it's so important for you to love your community and where you're from or to, or to try to. There's problems everywhere you go. But I just think you're a teacher. You have such influence and impression on, on young people and you're teaching this from a young age like lots of people can't you know we they can't afford a house in richmond like you can anyways like they don't have those same opportunities or or experiences and i just i was deeply heartbreaking that they were teaching young people to almost hate where you're from which is a predominantly brown community by the way in hounslow it was deeply deeply upsetting and i just i couldn't get over it and then yeah again like i i was I one of my jobs in the school? I organised this West London Alliance uh, meeting, and all the head teachers from from West London would meet early in the morning before school started and have a discussion. And I couldn't believe that there was every single head teacher that came from across West London was white. There wasn't one person of colour in the room whatsoever. And uh, and even crazier that there was more males than females in that role as well. When teaching is you know predominantly like female led 
industry or workplace and yeah it 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 just doesn't it just doesn't connect with the students i just think they just don't have the understanding of the young people in this community to be able to relate to sympathize to support them better to teach them better so yeah i'm i hope i'm not going on too much of a tangent but i'm very very passionate about that and it's something you know i'm trying to change through the podcast with more more and more conversations hoping to reach more young people or or you know just trying to even change my language about how i speak about the people i'm around or where i'm from and things because I, I'm fr- I'm from where I'm from. Like I can't change that, and I don't want to be ashamed of that. So yeah, representation means a lot to me, and hence why you know characters like your buddy G, like it's it's amazing. Like I just thought, yeah, he he is this like caricature kind of representation of someone from Hounslow. It's like someone from Hounslow like on steroids a little bit, but I think does it in a way that isn't disrespectful to us. We laugh at it because it's true. It's something that we know about, but we don't have to feel offended by it um so yeah for me that's why representation is so important i'm really sorry that i've spoken for so long but yeah it's important adnan how do you how do you feel what do we do <laughs> that, that was a lot <laughs> um i, I want to pass it on to the audience actually i, I think yeah. it'd be quite interesting to hear um anyone else's stories and if anyone wants to share something there as well um i'm, look, I'm looking at you i know we had a conversation earlier as well if you're comfortable yeah, sure, why not? Um, so I'm, I'm Nyla. Um, I'm a psychotherapist. I write, I do some art. Um, but I've got a uh, project called Migrant Women Histories, which I started in lockdown. Um, and I've developed workshops. And it just ties in exactly with what Nikita's talking about. Um, and I'm very passionate about schools. I've got children. One of them's become a teacher. Um, I think it goes much deeper and is sort of more complex than what you touched upon. Um, I don't think there's any space for people to talk about who they are, what they are, and I'm saddened to hear you talking about the same stuff that we were going through. Um, The trauma you said that, you know, Mahek, you said, you know, your family, it still goes on. You know, people are still having to block their letterboxes and so on. It just becomes a different target. Um, and being Pakistani and being Muslim, both, you know, you, since 9-11, the, the, the world changed. Um, I, you guys, I'm going to start crying in a minute, but um, you guys should be so proud of yourselves. I'm proud of you. I don't even know you guys. <laughs> and I, ho- I hope you're worthy of being <laughs> But seriously, um, to come together like this is so heartwarming for me um, because this is what I want to encourage kids in schools to have that confidence and self-belief to say, I am whatever I am. Um, And there is no space in the curriculum, but we can start making that space in schools. Um, uh, There was something else. Yeah, the the other thing is, it struck me that we're talking about, in all of the experiences that you guys have shared, we're we're talking always in reaction to the other. I want us to let go of that. It was necessary, you know, that's where we were placed. and also, uh, Nikita, you mentioned you know the older generations and so on. Um, I, I felt very alone because even though I'm of that generation, I never really felt at home anywhere. And the loneliness that you can experience within Pakistani families. Um, so to sort of remember that. And I, I feel that a lot of people my age and the generation before me uh, as well, my father was a... Uh, um, in the British Army, <laughs> he got medals, but he was fighting for the enemy. You know, it's sort of, and then he he died a silent man. He never shared his story. So I want us to share us, but it doesn't have to be formally. Oh, thank, you. thank you so much. I don't know why I feel a bit emotional being in here. This is the first time, honestly, I've 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 been in a space like this where we can all come together. There's so many like-minded people, so many amazing people, so many amazing talents, skills, and stories to share, which, which again, is the theme of, of this year's South Asian Heritage Month. Yeah, sorry, just guys are incredible. <laughs> Does anyone else want to speak about representation? Anyone else got anything to say in regards to that? I could, I, I could speak a bit. Uh, does anyone work in deck here? I see some hands. Shabs. Yeah. Um, so I did a bioengineering degree and then did software engineering. Um, kind of wanted to study music my whole life, but then, you know, classic, everyone was like, you're doing well at school, so you need to do something serious. Uh, and it was like a pretty uphill 
uh, climb, to be honest, in learning how to code and then like being a developer. I'm sure Shabs can also empathize. Uh, but there's a lot of, firstly, there's a lot of guys in that, that code. I mean, it's getting better now. I love all the guys in the room, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> uh, but secondly, uh, there weren't a lot of um, South Asian people in the companies that I worked at. So I worked for a company called Palantir that was founded originally with the US government to like make software to actually help find terrorists. So it was pretty interesting to work for them. I worked for their commercial department. So that in itself was very weird because there were about four pa Pakistanis in the whole company and there were 2,800 people when I joined. And then basically I was working for like different clients. Like one was in the Middle East. Uh, and I remember when I went, I was the only girl and the only South Asian person like on my team, like sort of like doing stuff. And I was working with portfolio managers in finance and uh, the project went on. And at the end of the year, like we did well, like whatever the project went well. And one of the portfolio managers was like, you know, when you showed up, like I just thought you were like a small brown girl, but you know, you did some good work. And I was like, I don't really know how to like, what should I say? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? So yeah, I don't know. I think in tech, it's getting a lot better. It's almost like now if you're a woman in tech, there's like a lot of initiatives, but I still think that like we could go a long way, um, especially on the South Asian side. And that's something that I'm trying to like just do more mentorship and get more people involved and make people feel like, because I don't know if you, the, the women in here experience this, but growing up, like when something would break in the house, like my mom would be like, call up boo, you know, like he'll fix it. Like, I was never empowered to, like, go and get my hands dirty or, like, ha have, like, that engineering sort of mindset. So if you learn how to code, right, you have to be okay with breaking stuff. Like, you cannot be perfect about things. And when I started learning, I was like, I need to write everything down in my notebook and make sure it's absolutely perfect. And if I even get one error in my code, I'm a failure, basically. And I, it took me so long to, like, overcome that. But I feel like especially, like, being delicately raised, I guess, is, like, a South Asian woman, like, back... When I grew up, like it was a lot to overcome and I keep telling a lot of my friends now, they're like, oh my God, like I don't want to try it because like, you have to be really like, you need to be like this to be able to code or be an engineer. And I'm like, no, uh, it's basically like cleaning your room. So if you're good at organizing your drawers, you can write code, um, which I'm not personally, to be honest. So, but yeah, so I, I, I've definitely felt the gap there, but I feel like there's a lot that you can do to get more people involved. What do you think that's like? What, Getting what? more people involved. Yeah, what do you think that looks like in terms of how you actually achieve that? So I've done a bunch of, there's this organization called STEM Ads. I don't know if anyone knows about it. It was originally just for STEM, uh, like women in STEM, but now it's like STEAM. So the arts are in it as well. Uh, and you could do like one-on-one -on -one workshops. And I don't know, for me growing up, because I didn't have a, any sisters, like all the women that my brothers dated or married for me were like, you know, they were all like, just like, I was like, you're my role model. And anything that they did, I was like, I want to do that. And I feel like for me, that's been such a powerful thing, like having role models or having people that you can like connect with, that you look up to, that do stuff that you want to do. So I feel like, especially in this space, like showing people that it's possible and like just like being like, you know what, I can make, I can like cook for my whole family at home and like dance at a Mendy, but also write gold. Like I can't do that and I can play guitar and that doesn't make me like an alien. Uh, and it's possible to do that. And I think if you overcome that discomfort yourself, cause like I'm constantly in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, like people will think I'm like this. Like my mother, when I was like, trying to do my first concert, she's like, I don't want my daughter to be the kind of girl that performs, right? And I was like, mama, I'm like wearing full sleeves. <laughs> I'm just playing guitar, you know, it's fine. It took a while, you know, and because I feel like I overcame, I'm overcoming, I haven't overcome it, I am on a journey. I feel like a lot of people I know that are younger to me, that like, I, like my, my nieces now, because they're like 13 and stuff, they're like, popo, you know, if you could do it, I could do it. So I feel like mentorship is such an important part of, of doing that. And like, even with like, um, you know, with STEM ads, basically you get like linked one-on-one -on -one with people, you spend some time with them, they tell you what they're struggling with, and then there's a lot of people that can kind of like help them do better. So I think mentorship is, is a really powerful thing. Yeah, and yeah, I'm gonna come to you at the end, but I just think when, when I was listening to you, what I was hearing and thinking about is uh, the way in particular South Asian women are conditioned and brought up to, to <sighs> I suppose like generations before us, a lot of their guidance comes from their experiences, but also ignorance as well in terms of like they 
maybe hasn't necessarily experienced a lot of things, have been told a lot of things, they've been told to listen, to do, they've not been told to necessarily think on their own, you know, just try something for yourself. And I just think, I was just listening to you. I don't know why I'm so emotional on this. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just incredible, like your bravery to be like, yeah, mom, like I'm wearing full sleeves, I'm playing guitar <laughs> and I'm coding and I'm organizing this event and I'm living out in London and I'm making waves, you know, like you're doing it all. And uh, yeah, it's just incredible. Just the way that South Asian women are in, in particular are brought up conditioned and like we're figuring out for ourselves. And I think important conversation i think in our community we're binded in that and that you know we're both all south asian in that regard but i think there's a stark difference still between men and women there's a lot to go in understanding each other to better support each other um and get to that space and make that change in that wave so yeah and i also like from the from the male point of view because i've seen my brother struggle with this a lot as well like i feel like there's so much pressure on like what the definition of being a man is i mean i'm not a guy so i'm not going to speak for any men but like at least i've seen like my brothers go through it uh and they feel like they need to be like the protector of the family like you know because you have these like very defined roles that like obviously i'm being like very blunt here but it's like women have to be very fragile and men have to be like very protective uh i've seen like my brothers go through so much like maybe just feeling vulnerable and not always being that you know macho macho guy there and and i've seen them crumble because they can't really deal with the pressure and um and like my dad i don't know about like if anyone resonates with this but like my dad like does not talk about his emotions like he's not (laughs) good at it and i feel like i've really seen him um uh and and my brothers as well like you know so i think it's it it goes both ways well speaking of men let's let's come to a real real man (laughs) come on um yeah i was gonna mention something here and i don't know it might be a little bit controversial actually um and i think it's more to understand as well from i guess if we're talking about representation in in south asians um and growing up as a guy and being from south asian diaspora as well thank you um you're right like there's there's many elements for a guy to feel like there's a lot of pressure on him to make sure he's providing he's protecting he's the one that's going out and you know um, I suppose making ways in some ways as well and I don't know the notion is sometimes a little bit different like maybe not everyone feels like this but for me for sure I I didn't focus so much on that there aren't other brown people that are in that space it never functioned like that in my head I mean I'm it definitely makes a difference it definitely helps a lot if you're growing up and you see someone who's a president is is, is South Asian you'd be like great I can do that as well but I think maybe with that mindset of a guy that you've got to make it happen no matter what, it's different, right? So you don't think about the representation all the time. What you do think about is there are also other communities, there are also other diasporas, there are also other people that, that feel the same thing that we do. They are also not represented, represented, right? But there's this mindset and attitude and ethic that you follow to get to the top or wherever you want to get to, basically. Um, and that shouldn't have to depend on just being from a certain community, right? Like if you're, I don't know, I'm not going to use Elon Musk as an example, but (laughs) if you're going to build something that's never been done before, you're not like, oh my God, no one's ever done this before. I can't do it. Your mindset is I want to build something for the sake of betterment of whatever, right? Um, and I think that transpires a lot into this, the scene thing as well, because when I was really thinking about it, I was like, there aren't many events that I can go to and I feel like I can enjoy without just really loud, annoying music around or people literally half drunk in your face. And I don't drink and I don't want to be in that space. I don't mind going to a club or whatever, but I, don't want, I'm not, I know my boundaries, right? I'm not going to drink. But I'm like, where is that space? And why hasn't someone made that? But that, that was it, right? Like, who is that someone? So why can't I be that someone? What's, like, it's not because there's other brown people doing it. It's just because no one's doing it. So think about what you can't do. Think about what you want venture out try it what's the worst that's going to happen tonight you guys might be like that was rubbish and i'm gonna come back to that again all right whatever we lost a bit of money whatever it's fine it's not a big deal so i think that was i don't know if other guys feel the same way i'd I'd be very intrigued to hear what other guys mindset on this would be as well um but you're challenged in many other ways and you know ben i'm looking at you and i want you to talk (laughs) go on ben go on yeah yeah encourage him encourage him yeah i'm fine thank you um, Benjamin, no, yeah, Benjamin, known for a couple months now, isn't it? But um, background: born in Germany, lived there for four years, then went to Ghana, lived there for five, four years, then came here. So when people mainly see me, they think I'm a British-born, I'm black, British, African, tick. Um, that's what they th- that's what they see. But um, 
again, yeah, I come from I come from a space whereby where I come from Woolwich, Southeast London. And one thing I'd like to say to everyone is <laughs> <laughs> the first time I ever crossed the river to the east to like above the river was my first day of uni when I was eighteen and I was going to Queen Mary. That was the first time I crossed the river myself. What? Yeah. Because I know. And similar to what Nan was saying, um, maybe there is a space in which you can go ahead and create your own world and be the person you are. But intrinsically, you are, you are stuck based upon your experiences. Um, and I'd never experienced life or what life could be outside my little spot in Southeast London, just getting up to nonsense, me and the boys just doing whatever the boys do. And my role models were literally drug dealers on the corner shop. So me growing up was seeing them in the fancy cars, tripped out, looking clean, and I'm like, oh, I want to be just like you. <laughs> and on the flip side, it was the guy on the television playing football, or at that time, Barack Obama. And that's like, whoa, I can't get that. That's too much. Um, so there was no one in the middle. There's generally no one in the middle. And me growing up, so now I work, um, I work in a corporate field. Um, I'm a sustainability analyst in real estate investment. So I'm that guy waking up at 8 a.m., walking or cycling to work in my suit. And I see my mates, and they've made in the drug game, like, they've done well, I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, like, <laughs> give me some money, please. But, um, yeah, they're pulling up a Land Rover, Range Rover, so I'm like, ah. It's a They're doing well. But the thing is, I'll be like, 30 of them, there's only one guy. I'm not going to bet him out, but there's only one guy who's done very well. Um, but then I see the youngest around and they're looking up to him like, hey, hey, yo, what are you saying? How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Speaking to him. And I'm just walking past like a nobody. And the problem is I'm going to be what they all are going to be, if you get what I mean. If they just stick hard, go to university, go college, get everything you want, you're going to be that guy working a corporate job. It's not bad. I mean, I'm earning money. But compared to on the flip side, you have the guy selling drugs, doing his thing, enjoying his life. They all want to be him, but they don't know that that life is just... No, it's like, it's horrible. Mm. I saw him when he was 18 and I was 18. He wasn't that happy guy. He was down the road, he was in his dumps. But um, as a man, as a guy, I don't know, as a man, as a guy, if you identify as one, I don't know the whole spectrum. As someone who identifies as a guy, I keep it as that. Um, it's, it's hard, especially from a, um, an ethnic background, it's hard when you have the top and you have the bottom but you mm. don't know who's in the middle mm. and you're trying to find who's in the middle. And most of the time, you're the person in the middle, but you mm. just don't see that. You just think you're the bottom because the next person you're looking up to is, for me, the next person I'm looking up to is um, Idris Elba or um, <laughs> Damson Idris or... <laughs> I wish, I wish. Or the, or the big-time boxer, the big-time... Just like, of course, I'm a black person, so there's many sports, but this is a big-time person. And now when I go to the office, I look to the left and right to me. I don't see no senior person who's a black man. And often my manager be like, Ben, bang out 10 years here. You could be that person. Like 10 years of this? No way. No way. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do that. What's my age? Um, so, yeah, there's, I think. And then um, I kind of have to look inside to myself. So whereby it's brilliant that you come here and have conversations with different people and just vent and expose. But... When you all go home in your, in your room, you just have to look inside. There's no one to vent to. <laughs> There's no one to explode to. So as much as I love this, and this is amazing, I mean, the fact that I go invited here, and look, I'm looking around, I'm just seeing a whole bunch of people smiling at me. It's a bit creepy, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's amazing that I could have this opportunity because from someone who, at the age of 17, didn't even know where my land was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you guys did because my land is a pretty... <laughs> don't know where my land was or um, what the central land was. Um, I mean, Lizzie Land is the best thing ever, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. But um, <laughs> I've not been there yet. <laughs> but yeah, um, what was I saying? My land was. Yeah. <laughs> to now sit in a room with a bunch of people from all over the world, all over, I mean, I had Tanzania. I'm like, wow, amazing. A um, bunch of people from all over the world and just be able to speak to you guys is amazing. And uh, from, um, you can see it from um, whatever background you are, wherever you are, whoever you are, just look inside, find the happiness, find the peace, find the space, and then try to show it in how you are and who you are, and you attract a lot of lovely people. Very oh. And hopefully a lot of you guys. <laughs>
We love you too, Ben. Thank you. you. Yeah, bye. <laughs> What's going on? It's in the water or the samosas. Um, <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, I, I don't want to take away anyone's voice or anything like that, but is there, is there anyone else, panel or audience-wise, who, who wants to offer some sort of insight into... Okay. Yeah, go in the heck. And then, and then someone from over here? Yeah, okay, cool. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> Which is really interesting, and it's been really amazing to kind of hear all of your perspectives are kind of around I guess like what I'm gathering from this around like representation and sort of like what it means to see it I guess like maybe the ways that we can be proactive ourselves etc etc um I think it's interesting because I think like obviously you made that point about how like okay yeah it's really important to see it but like there's something that we need to I guess like catalyze in ourselves I think that's something I always found really hard personally like I think it was so weird like growing up my dad was like you're a creative I I always knew because growing up everyone would be like oh my god what do you want to be when you're older I want to be a doctor oh, I want to be a director like that's just it was kind of unheard of and I don't know why I thought that like I wanted to be a director it's very random he made me write an essay about Steven Spielberg once <laughs> and I was like he's like I need to know you're serious about this um <laughs> but like <laughs> they're like if you mean it <laughs> put your money where your mouth is and it was kind of interesting because like like my parents always facilitated that that passion which was really nice to see in a south asian household but then i pigeonholed myself and that came from not seeing people brown people um kind of like in these spaces i was like it, i don't think it was something like oh my god brown people can't do it that wasn't something i registered but because i couldn't see it optically it was something that i was absorbing and kind of like oh okay cool so i have to do this i have to do that etc and it's, you don't realize how much you absorb without actually like verbalizing it which was really really interesting so i did law i didn't want to do law but i did it anyway i wanted to do i wanted to go to film school um but obviously now i've interestingly found myself back into the creative industry albeit in a different way um but that's why i think it is important to see people and i completely agree with the whole idea of there's a massive dichotomy between you've got brown people you know other poc people kind of in the mid tier lower tier levels um and then the, for example like in my industry so i work in advertising all the creative directors, unfortunately, are, are white. And I say unfortunately because you can see the issues with that. So for example, when we have ad campaigns that go wrong, it's because there's no cultural nuance. And there's been so many circumstances, unfortunately, in my previous company why I kind of had to be like, oh, like, do you realize like this is actually really harmful to this community? And it becomes really exhausting in the workplace as well because you're like, oh my God, I have to do the work, but I'm not getting paid to this. Like, I'm not getting paid to be your like, um, your DEI as well as like actually just being a, someone at this company. And it is really like, I think that part is really difficult. And I think what is also interesting about it, which maybe I digress from the point that I've just kind of made, is like when you start to get to the point like you raised about being in the middle and you don't realize how much that actually means to other people as well. Like, I think what's been really weird is like, I'm just like, oh my God, like this is so hard. I'm trying to make it, whatever. Just trying to do everything. And then I'll have someone come up to me and be like, oh my God, like you, I actually love what you're doing and it's made me feel like I can do it. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. that's not real. Like, how how am I having the same struggle as you and you're saying yeah. this? Like, it's so interesting. And I think it's like, I don't think we also realize like how much the effort that we put in is mm -hmm. also collectively helping people. Like, I think it's also really important to recognize that the more we go towards like, kind of like achieving ourselves, whether we want to do it creatively, whether it has to be through tech, et cetera, through film, that visibly that's making a difference and we have a collective responsibility to also make sure that we pave the way for other people as well so yeah thank you thank you i think there was yeah clap some more man yeah sorry there was someone from the right yeah come through sorry yeah. <laughs> i just wanted to show my appreciation for all of you guys who are paving the way for brown people to feel comfortable in these spaces because i come from a place where i was a minority and i moved to london three years ago for university um, and even though there was like a small Pakistani community, even within that Pakistani community, there was a lot of like stratifications. So I always felt left out anyway. Um, and then since coming to London and then finding out about like these sort of like events and stuff like that, I felt so close to my culture and so like content. And I realized like there are loads of other people like me who are feeling this way. So like I've been following your work on TikTok and stuff like that. And then like going to events like, you know, Mehfil and daytimers and stuff like that. and there's actually so many other people who also feel this way. Sorry, I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> um, and then, like, for example, like, um, you know, the Ramadan tent project, we had our first one in Brighton this year. And I'd grown up, like, looking at Ramadan tent project in London as, like, these 
amazing events that only happen in London and stuff like that. And then when I came to London, went to university, I finally experienced it. And I was like, this is amazing. I wish it could come to a city like Brighton. And then it came this year. And it was amazing to see that there actually is a community. Like, even though, like, for example, like the bad thing that I do a lot is slag off my own community because I'm like, there's no one doing anything. Like, it's really small. We're not diverse enough. No one's coming out of their homes. But when you actually do come out of your homes and when you're given a space to create and talk freely about your culture and everything that people do come out and you can see everyone coming together. So I really appreciate like spaces like this. Um, you guys are doing amazing work. Thank you, thank you. It's just, um, yeah, it's that real sense of belonging, isn't it? I think that I, 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 not trying to speak for everyone, but yeah, for me anyway, I've struggled with that. Is this this sense of belonging? Where do I belong? Who are my people? Who can I relate to? Um, and yeah, just echoing on what was what was just said is that uh, everyone in this room, the fact that you've given up your Saturday night, you could be anywhere, but you chose to be here the creators of this event you've done i i can't oh okay hang on the creators of this event i can't even begin to put into words the movement um that you're creating here the waves of change and um the future essentially and i'm so excited for it because it can feel so bleak especially in this climate we're in now inflation stupid prime ministers <laughs> not in touch with the people of the country or his community um and every everyone's out here like just beautiful come with love insight vulnerability vulnerability i have to say that twice because it's not easy to do and i just yeah i just want to thank everyone for listening and encourage you to carry on having these conversations uh please meet people hug them you know high five them get their instagram handles um stay connected and we'll do this all again it's been your girl Nikita. That's how I end my podcast all the time. <laughs> and you've been listening to Two Chickpeas in a podcast with The Scene. And yeah, let's carry on having these conversations. Thank you so much. <laughs>